Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is April 15th, 2019. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both from McFlugel.com. Show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 140 where you will be able to find thing links to the things we talk about as well as a way to check out our our what what our sponsor. That's right. LibertyMugs.com, where you can buy awesome libertarian-themed mugs and t-shirts and a couple other uh, cool things. And also, do us a favor, if you can, go to wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a review. Give us a rating, leave us a review, stars, thumbs ups, thumbs up, whatever it is. And uh, since I can't put words together well, I'm just going to hand it right over to Slappy and and punt to him. (laughs) To this, you know, very jam-packed episode that we have. Yeah, for we do. We have an episode. This is our Seinfeld episode. Um, our yeah, episode you know, about nothing. Yeah, I, uh, I in in my little notebook that I've posted pictures of because the notes for every episode I wrote is just tractors, which is literally this entire page. I wrote the date, the episode number, the title, and then what I want to talk about, and it, it's it's. Tractors, tractors six times uh, All right, so and, got, and the title i gave i think you got two of them out of the way already or three yeah and i wasn't even intending to do that so man i'm just so good at this it's just like clockwork but uh the title for this episode i wrote which isn't necessarily the title of what uh what i'm gonna make it but it's just kind of the topic because i just wrote whatever yeah and that's kind of our topic um so in the news today uh, over in France, there was a pretty big fire at the um, what's the what's what's it called? I mean, I know it's Notre Dame, Notre Dame Cathedral. Is that how we say it in English? Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Was, that cathedral was built in what the 13th century or so. It was completed. I think that I think I read that they broke ground in the middle of the 12th century. I could be wrong though. Okay, no, I think I may have seen that. Um, but it was completed in the 1200s. And uh, pretty big cathedral known around the world. If you're not familiar with it, go check it out. Um, I've never been to France, have you? Nope. Um, really old, lots of artwork, gothic style, right? Flying buttresses, keeping the <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> keeping the walls up. Um, that that what do they call that? Come on, I know you know this engineer. The vault and the lateral uh, lateral thrust, so the buttress keeps it in. Yeah, see, um, I think that qualifies me as a better engineer than some others. Yes, makes you an architect. Yes, which um, is above, which is you know several levels above civil engineering. Correct. Um, anyway, there was a fire and pretty bad one. And I know you had some thoughts on that or some, maybe on the reaction to it, because, um, some people may have been a little bit, uh, hysterical or getting out in front of this to have their theories. Um, what do you got on it? Yeah. Uh, leave it to libertarians and others to just, without any sort of information other than this cathedral's on fire to say, to come up with all sorts of stupid and wild conspiracy theories about it. And it's like, can we just, and we've, we've talked about this before we've written about it 
And it's like, when something bad happens, can we at least just have like a second to, I don't know, feel bad about what's going on and say, man, this is terrible. This, this is a almost 1000 year old cathedral. I guess a little bit less than that. But you know, hundreds and hundreds of year old cathedral that looks like it's burning down. And, you know, for all we know there, there might not be anything left. And the amount of history in that is incredible. And when that burns down, if that were to burn down completely, like we don't get any of that back. That's all gone. You can't replace it. You can't right. restore it. I mean, you can restore it. It's not the same. It's not what it was. It's gone forever. Yeah. And and like I know in the US I've I've had I've only been out of the, the country once and I was able to go to to, to Stockholm, which uh-huh. yeah. Not New Jersey. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I was in uh, I was in Stockholm's Cathedral, which was I th- built around. I, th- I think it was built around the same time. Might have been even a little bit earlier. But you walk if you've ever had the opportunity to go to Europe or another place that has more a, a, a longer history, because the United States, I mean, the first settlements were in the middle early 17th century. Uh, no, well, I guess 1492. What am I saying? Um, when Columbus came over, so you know, at well, what most, was like Roanoke? Uh, I don't know. Actually, probably, yeah, I guess I in know. the six sixteen hundred sometime early. I don't know. But we didn't have. There weren't cities built yet, and there's there's not really much left of those uh, those original settlements. But but the first cities were built in the 1600s, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we live close to Philadelphia, which is one of the earliest, oldest cities in the country. And there's a lot of history there. And you, and you go to the, to the, to the old city and you see the old architecture and the cobblestone roads. Mm-hmm. You think, wow, this is really, really old. But it's only a couple hundred years old. You go to other places in the world and they're literally thousands of years old in some places. So, like, it's really... It's incredible, some of these places, like when I was in, in Stockholm, that it was just so much older than anything I was ever used to. And going in this cathedral and, and seeing what these, you know, just even a statue, like a guy, say, or any, just let's just think, imagine this for being anywhere. Say a, a statue from a thousand years ago. Like that is your almost time machine to the guy who actually made that statue. Right. Because that's there. That, that is, that is an artifact. That is what he had his hands on. That is what he had his tools on working on. And so if you're, for you to be able to like stand there and even maybe touch it to really experience it, that's, that's incredible. And it really just, I don't know. I think it, I think it makes humanity seem a lot better because it's, I don't know to think about years, years, well, like year, we have these years of separations to think about what it was like to be a thousand years ago when you can be standing next to something that someone from a thousand years ago created. I was in, you um, can feel you do. I know what you're saying closer to them and, and and feel maybe even some sort of a connection. You almost put your place. Like I was in Dublin castle and I think that I don't know when it was built. Um, there's still parts of the original wall of the city of Dublin in Ireland um, or the original wall. At least that's what they say. Um, 
but the castle, I, I don't know how old it was. I'd say 1200s. It might've been 800. I don't know um, what year it was built, but as you're walking through and you're going down these stairs, you're like putting yourself in that place in that time. It's pretty neat. And you can't really replicate that. Yeah. I, I have a, a, a mug that I have on the, on the desk that I bought at one at the Vasa museum in Stockholm, which is a museum for the, the Vasa, which was a ship that the King had built to show how awesome he was in, uh, and on its maiden voyage, it sunk like a mile into its into its voyage. Into awesome. the uh, yeah, they apparently built it a little bit too high, so when a wave hit it from the side, it just kind of <laughs> tipped over. That's awesome. And in this, they were able to in the sixties, I think nineteen sixties, they were able to find it and pull the ship out from the bottom of that. the of the harbor, and so they were able to reconstruct like ninety five percent of the ship. That's cool. And it's and it's in this museum and it's incredible. And they have they took uh because there were even still skeletal remains of people in there. And with some of the skeletons, they rebuilt what the faces look like. Right. And so in parts of this exhibit, you're sitting there staring at what this person would have looked like. And it takes you like like what I was saying, it takes you back. And it's just I don't know. I, I think a lot of people in our who listen tend to have an appreciation for history a little bit. I think it comes with the territory of being a libertarian maybe. So hopefully, hopefully people get what I'm trying to say, but it's just something, I don't know that connection to be able to take you back to people from, from so long ago, I think is, is a very, very powerful thing. And, and to, and to lose these artifacts is terrible. So, mm-hmm. So to to just when we see this, you know, one of the most famous churches in the world just burning down to just to have the reaction to be able to just show the world how smart you are just uh, really just shows a lack of human empathy to just be able to say, oh, look, I can score political points here. I mean, we, we sit here and and rip on you know, the leftists and the neocons for, for doing the same thing. Anytime there's a tragedy that, you know, they, they take advantage of it and try to, to score their own political points. Like Rahm Emanuel had the famous quote, never let a crisis go to waste. Right. And rightly so people say like, wow, what a jerk. (laughs) But by, by immediate, and we said this before, like, you know, this, this, as far as I know, didn't have any bloodshed. But the blood's not even dry when we have a tragedy or something, and you know these libertarians are out there just saying all sorts of, you know, they're so sure of themselves that this some conspiracy th- uh, theory happened, and it's like, man, just have a little bit of human empathy, <laughs> like let let people be upset. <laughs> Yeah, let let people mourn the loss of their neighbors and family for a second before you start, you know, trumpeting on your on your bully pulpit that that oh this was you know X Y Z was responsible for this and you know it and it's you know what what you think is happening didn't happen, and also I mean people are are coming out with like whoa they're not saying they're not giving a good explanation for this how are they supposed to know like all of a sudden that thing caught on fire on fire 
the media, and I think uh, this is a point that I wanted to say, and we were, I think we're, the last episode we were talking about this, and we were talking about before the show, and I don't think we mentioned it in the episode, but one of the things that people do is that when the media initially is reporting on stuff and there's holes in their story, people turn around and say, oh, well, look, the, the media story doesn't even add up. Well, of course it doesn't add up. They don't know anything yet. Yeah. An explosion happens. Gunshots go off. There's a, a, a church on fire. They're going to turn the cameras on and start reporting on it. Now, of course, the media does a lot of bad things, but in situations like this, when something's just happening, I think they're just they're they're trying to get information together. They're being normal. And human they're being. gonna interview people who are, could potentially have wrong information. Right. You and know. Exactly. I mean, we, we I don't like to give the media too much credit. But. Right. It, it actually pains me to say that. But, <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to but be reasonable. Let's be, let's be real here. Like nobody. I mean, maybe someone knew. I don't know. They were saying they were what are they were storing something or working, reconstructing something. And that may have gone up. Yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, I mean, it's one of those I, I work in an industry where bad things can happen and it's normally not just one thing that goes wrong. Uh, it's, it's, there's, um, you know, layers of security is what we call them. And, uh, it's basically like you think of a a bunch of, uh, slices of Swiss cheese put back to back and each hole represents a, a flaw in your security or that, that could cause something to go wrong. So, you, you know, you, you, you start trying to draw lines to the Swiss cheese. And as, as you hit hole, you can keep going through holes. Oh, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. But as soon as there's not a hole any anywhere. So stop that. Right. Right. So normally something, a lot of things, the planets have to align essentially for things to go wrong. The so, you know, Swiss cheese have to align. Yes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't want to speculate, but I'm sure there were, you know, maybe there were things that they weren't, well, some doing their they're doing maybe they weren't doing their due diligence on, you know, you get and everybody does it. You get comfortable in, in your routines and you don't take the the normal necessary steps to make sure everything's safe and secure. And yeah, I wonder uh, if they, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big mistake, whatever they did. Um, whatever. Maybe no one was up there. Like maybe, maybe it's an electrical fire. I have no idea. Right. But even still, I mean, you could you can an electrical fire has a has a cause it, it's not yeah that could have been prevented right um but that thing must have went up quick is what I, I guess what i'm saying that fire was huge yeah yeah so and there if was people there and couldn't get it out or it just spread that fast if, i know if, nothing about fire other than it's hot if they're doing restorations i mean who knows what sorts of uh you know paint thinners cool. and chemicals that yeah. they have up there that they are gonna went up right so there i mean Again, we're just we're just speculating without any sort of thing, but we're and just trying to drive the point home that, that there's a lot of ways. To, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you blame the, um, or you think they're going to blame the uh, yellow vests? Yes, the yellow vests put explosive paint thinner and threw a match in it or something. Gotcha. But uh, I don't know. So do any, yeah, do you have anything else to say about it other than no, like, other than it's horrible. Cool, cool, I mean, it's, yeah, it's horrible and cool your jets. Yeah, and I'm not saying and and we've talked about 
false flags and conspiracies before here. We're not saying that they don't exist, but yeah, we could have a whole list of them. Let's, let's wait for, you know, more information that it's like the, the most and, and apply Occam's razor a little bit so that we can say, Oh, Hey, well, this, this doesn't line up with what we're being told. It doesn't make sense. And maybe there's information that points to, to something more nefarious happening, but we can't just assume because the government's bad that therefore the government's responsible for everything. You know, people were were human, right? People make mistakes. People are evil and people make mistakes and people are evil who are not agents of the state. So, right. Big mistake though. Someone's going to get fired. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it could have been. Uh, was that a joke? No. I mean, if, right before I said the word, I thought about it. But um, no, it wasn't a joke. I mean, that's a serious mistake. Well, we don't know what the mistake was. It could have been a procedural thing that people could have were, been anything. They, but right. man, when you're put in charge of restoring uh, church from, you know, the 1200s and you burn it down. Whether it was, I don't know. Someone's got to, yeah, I don't know. That's a big one. I just, I just know from my line of work, we've had, I, I've been party to major issues that have happened and none have burned down a, a, a cathedral from the 1200s though. Yeah. I've burnt some stuff down though. Sure. I'm sure you have, um, but it's the same thing. It might not be I mean, the consequences it, might not be the same. Although yeah. like we're, we're dealing with potentially killing people. And um, I don't think there's really there's it's, it's an extremely rare thing where you can point the finger at one person or a group of people and say, it is your fault. It's normally Could like I said, a lot of things and, and, you know, kind of, kind of the blame of of systems. Hey, man, missing, missing the playoffs makes people lose their job. Oh, sure, that's a different kind of world, though. Yeah, I know. Um, anyway, what else you got? Uh, so another thing in the news, kind of changing gears a little bit. One that's a little bit more esoteric, maybe. Um, so I don't. I don't want to, we'll just say he, we'll pro, I'll probably end up saying his name, but he who will not be named in the Bitcoin world, he's in, he, he's, he's, all right, Craig Wright, <laughs> he's, you know, he's an obvious scammer, he was, he's, he claims to be, for people who don't know, there's some guy, this rich guy, that uh, claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto, the, the creator of Bitcoin, and it, and he's clearly clearly not satoshi and uh he was involved in in the bitcoin cash fork off of bitcoin and then they got had their little while they were playing house at bitcoin cash they had another fight and then there was another fork where craig wright's bitcoin sv they were you know trying to be the rival against bitcoin cash or something and uh he's been getting especially ornery 
and flipping out and trying to sue people for saying that he's not Satoshi and, and a whole bunch of stupid stuff. Right. It's it's almost embarrassing. It is. Telling the story that's going on because it's like, it's man, I, are we in like fourth grade? Right. Like to no, try no. to explain this to someone who's not into Bitcoin. But you yeah. feel like you're literally like a sixth grader. So that's all I want to say about Craig Wright at this point. We'll talk about Bitcoin SV a little bit because it and, and here's the one thing. Like I, I I want to never talk about him again because I just want him to disappear. And the more that we talk about and carry on about him and try to slam dunk on him, that's exactly what he wants because it keeps him relevant. And I've I've talked about it before with like the leftists, these crazy SJWs. And it's like, all right, yeah, I get it. They're idiots and they're stupid. And what they say is toxic. But a lot of times the only reason they're getting attention is because their opponents, whether they're conservatives or, or libertarians, they find this stupid stuff they're saying that no one outside of these small leftist circles would ever hear about and start saying, look at what this person's doing. And it gives them all this attention that they otherwise wouldn't get. And so it's like, if you want these people to not be a problem just ignore them don't participate in it and ignore them it's like when i do my uh my liberty mugs marketing which is just trolling like i go and like the mugs that i i have i uh that are specific to like a certain group that i'm making fun of like i go and reply on twitter to their threads to try to poke them and the best thing they can do is ignore me because if they start, you know, say, Oh, look what this, oh, this terrible Liberty mugs thing that they post, they're going to start sharing around and showing everyone. Well, that's going to get to, to other people too. And people that are going to like the message. So it, it's, it can only so, help me when they start getting right. mad and, and sharing now on the flip side of it. And this is kind of what I want to talk about and transition to, or did you have something to say? I no, no, go ahead. What I wanted to say was that this stuff with the, all this nonsense about Bitcoin SV and, and uh, Craig Wright has had people put pressure on a lot of exchanges to take Bitcoin SV uh, off and delist them. So that's where it is kind of good to talk about Craig to, to him and uh, – and these issues because he is does still carry some relevance. Um, and so uh, Binance, I think it was, and uh, uh, Shapeshift, and yeah. maybe another one, did delist Bitcoin SV. So that's a good thing. But here's my thing. They're patting themselves on the back about it. And my question to them is, all right, you're saying that this guy's an idiot and a scammer and his product is a scam. It's not like you just figured this out now. For those that are have been, you know, kind of keyed in to the world of Bitcoin and, and this stuff, you know who the main players are. And you know that this guy has always been a bad actor. You know that his his coin, that Bitcoin SV was always a joke. Yep. So why was it there in the first place? Well, probably because it was 
an opportunity for you for you to make pro- profit. And I don't, you know, we're we're capitalists. We don't begrudge anyone for making a profit. But to me, that's fraud. When you know something's a scam that has no chance, of, you know, no chance of doing anything other than just trying to get money from people. I don't really think that's a good thing to uh, be making a profit off of. So for these exchanges to kind of be like jumping out and patting themselves on the back and saying, you know what, we're we're delisting this coin from our services because we don't agree with how things have been going down. It's like, okay, yeah, that that's good. But like, I, I don't, you shouldn't be bragging about it. You shouldn't be wearing, you know, patting yourselves on the back because like I said, why was it there in the first place? And unless you're going to turn around and say, hey, you know what? We messed up and we sh- this shouldn't have been here and we're going to, you know, change the way we, we manage our stuff. I, I really don't want to hear it. Well, and I don't, I, I'm going to, I guess, defend the exchanges a little bit and see what you have to say. Status. Um, <laughs> uh, um, they delist coins all the time. Uh, I don't know how they went about this one. Um, usually people just don't care because it's some coin that, you know, isn't trading or right, right. whatever the case is. Um, I, I don't know why. I don't know their reasons for delisting, but I get emails from those exchanges still be like, we're de- delisting whatever, five coins. And, um, you know, so they give you like two weeks to try and sell it if you can or take it or whatever you want to do with it. Uh, is that how they went about Like you're saying, they're patting themselves on the back for dealers. No, this, this is not because of, there's just no, although I can't imagine there's been much, uh, Cause, cause I could see them sending out the email. We're delisting Bitcoin Satoshi's vision. And there's people who like it. And so they get all upset and get in arms and then maybe they have to put out a statement to say why or whatever, when typically they just delist coins. I mean, they get delisted and added all the time. Right. No, I think this is because of the behavior of the people involved. Right. There was a lot of social pressure put on these guys. And it shows the power of the market, you know, with, with social pressure making making people do the correct thing. So it's the one good thing is that even though these people I don't like their motives, they still end up kind of doing the right thing in this specific situation. Yeah. Uh, because the other criticism I have of them is that, okay, well, you're saying that you're taking down this thing cause it's, it's, it's bad business. Well, how about all the other scams that you have listed? Yeah. I don't think they believe, like, I don't know if they believe they're all bad business or not. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a mixed bag. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't want to, I don't want to impugn. Because any, if any you're, specific- if, if people are creating these coins for whatever purpose, and your business is to <laughs> trade them, have people trade them. Uh, I guess I see. I don't know why they list and delist coins. Period. Right? Like you would think you just put them all up there, and if people want to buy them, they can. Why would you delist them? Um, probably because. Well, I mean, it costs money to. Yeah. To to maintenance them. Yeah, that's true. And I'm I'm pretty sure a lot has to do. I mean, I'm, I doubt that a lot of these exchanges. Uh, are doing it for free. I'm sure that they probably get, not. They get, some of these exchanges have back. like a ton of coins on them, right? And it depends on on their so, business model. If they want to be the uh, reputable, we only have good coins on there, which is stupid because 
in my view, anything other than Bitcoin is is not worth paying attention to. Then they'll only put the ones that actually have, you know, that people kind of care about. These other ones, their business models just to let people trade penny stocks and they'll just put whatever they, I remember there was a John Snow coin that sticks out in my head for some reason. Cool. Is uh, there, what about tra- tractor coin RV? Uh, no, that, that's, that's a scam. RV that, is. Yeah. It's who's claiming to be Rollo. Uh, I think car car is. Yeah. The real, coin is uh tractor coin cash rv oh yeah and that's rallo's vision yeah that's the real tractor coin okay that's the true tractor coin everything else is um i took us off the rails yeah but it's just like it just these exchanges are making themselves out to be heroes a little bit and the entire time i think a lot of them have been the villain and continue to be the villain because they're they're peddling garbage that has like no purpose other than just to enrich the people that are uh, the big bag holders and and the people that created them. Um, yeah, and how many coins? I, I know there's a handful, um, but there's a lot of them out there. How many do you think actually are profitable? Profitable in what way? Like I created a coin and made money on it. Probably nearly all of them. Because you're selling. I, mean, I guess you get them all and then sell them. It's not difficult. I mean, it. I mean, there's websites. I think that you can go and just like change a couple parameters and. Because someone has to buy it. And it'll, right. So you're gonna have to put in some work. It's gonna cost money. Sure. A lot of these coins aren't worth anything, even on the exchanges. Right. So if you're going to airdrop them or whatever you're going to do to give people the coins, then they need to be able to trade them. But yeah, I mean, if you have any sort of programming ability, it's it's pretty easy to create a cryptocurrency because all you got to do is is copy copy yeah, Bitcoin. Copy I get that right. and they change have to market it. Sure, you got some it's, kind of like reason for someone to buy it or to trick someone into buying it or whatever your your deal is yeah i mean back in the heyday of it you could just go on uh Bit- the bitcoin talk forum and do an yeah. announcement a couple of years ago we i used to buy random coins and they shoot through the roof and i'd right sell them and <laughs> buy other random coins or but no yeah i think now it's it's a little more costly you need you need something i but don't follow know. the altcoins anymore but do they still shoot up the way they used to i mean you could like i don't think buy so, almost no. anything but they were shooting up mostly because of yeah, they were just and I was trading Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, so was I before I realized that it was all, that it was harmful. Yeah. I remember we talked about it when we were doing it and, and kind of saying like, yeah, I mean, and we're just trying to make our, our Bitcoin stack bigger. Yeah, exactly. We didn't think any of these were going to were gonna do anything. Right. When but then you kind of realized some of the things we were doing. Then I kind of had a change of heart about the whole thing Likewise. and realized that like, man, I don't, I don't want to participate in something that's it's a scam. I didn't, I guess I, uh, I don't know. There are a lot of things I didn't quite understand. One of them being that I thought that, um, maybe they offered, I didn't, I didn't understand that money could only be one thing. So I thought that, yeah, Bitcoin's probably going to dominate. 
but there's going to be room for these other coin, you know, have a multi coin thing that maybe they, this other coin does something better than Bitcoin. And so it'll have a use case, but uh, I am no, no longer think that, uh, especially with the way that uh, proof of work is that most of these altcoins just have a fraction, like an insignificant fraction of the proof of work that Bitcoin does. So right. miners could, if they wanted to attack another network, they could take a small amount of the Bitcoin mining power and just use it to completely obliterate the mining power of one of these altcoins. So the idea that um, these altcoins have any sort of security is just absolutely laughable. Um, and that's 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 not even taking into account the lies that they... I mean, they yeah, peddle. that's just factual. Right. That's not even taking into account the lies that are... That, you know, they... they uh, like the easy, like Bitcoin Cash, or just pick on that because it's easy. That they say that their scaling solution is to increase the block size to what was it originally eight megabytes? I think they increased I think it, it was to thirty two. Yeah, and it's like, man, they're 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 packaging a security flaw as a feature. So like, they're not doing anything interesting. They're not doing anything that actually makes makes it better. Remember my. Uh, Thermal fluids uh, design professor in college used to say it's the no free lunch principle. Um, you know, you, you take you you play with one parameter. When you're trying to optimize a system, you can't just like sh- you know press the up button on one parameter and expect no negative consequences around the the system. Otherwise, I mean, there's a and these were the fluids you had in your thermos. Yes. How to keep your beverage hot all day. By pushing the up arrow. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. But uh but yeah, it, it's it's you all the all these little things they say, oh Bitcoin wasn't doing this thing, so we we did it. Well, there's probably a reason why Bitcoin didn't add the feature that you're that you're peddling for your thing. That's probably because it created a security flaw. And in every single case that I'm aware of, that's that's what that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's. I guess in summary of this, it's it, it's a weird thing because I'm glad that some of the like a bad coin is getting taken, like an obvious, a, a brutally obvious scam. Now I know that people complain about. Bitcoin maximalists throwing the word scam around too much, but I think <laughs> any person would agree that Bitcoin SV was just a scam. It never had any sort of thing other than to enrich the uh, the people that were created. It never had any shot at all to do anything interesting or worthwhile. Um, so for these people to to list these on their exchanges is just. Uh, at best, it's careless. At worst, it's they're participating in the scam. And neither is a good thing. Because if they're being careless, then, you know, that's not good. I mean, they're, they're you're kind of trusting them to hold your money for you while it's while yeah. it's uh, on their, their exchange. And if they're... If what happens if you hold it and you don't sell it and it just goes away? You just lose it? When they delist it? Yeah. I guess so. 
What's it even trading at? Uh, I don't know. I know once once they started talking about delisting it, it, it kind of tanked. Yeah. I don't care what it's trading at because it has no value to me. No, I'm just thinking of the guys who are trading yeah, yeah. altcoins who have like a couple, maybe thousand dollars. I don't know. I don't know how much people have. I guess whatever. I don't know how much it is or right. what it is. I don't like you. I don't follow it. I don't really care too much about it. Yep. Um, what else you got? Any hockey news? Flyers get a new coach. Uh, I don't think so. Did they? I thought they did. Did they? Google it. Wait, who'd they get? Dude from, uh, I think he was a Rangers coach. He's got a French name. Tor- uh, no, not not that guy. Oh, Alain Vigneault? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Also, we could talk about how all you got to do is get in the playoffs and anything can happen with uh, the Lightning looking to possibly get swept. Uh, that enrages me more than anything else we're talking about. Just make the playoffs and then you, you got as good a shot as anybody. It's not true. It's a new season. Yeah, it's stupid. What you did in the regular season doesn't matter. That's one of those things. What's the th- what's the, the term for where everyone thinks that it's that something happened but it didn't? Um like the uh, beam me up Scotty. Yeah, played again, Sam. Yeah. Um I don't know. But I remember like I got sick of that hearing that people people would talk about the hockey playoffs. They say, Oh, just just get in the playoffs and you got as good a shot as anybody. I don't know over the last few seasons, you know, how, how this changed. I don't think it's much, but maybe it was, let's say five years ago I did it. And I looked back to uh, the 94, 95 season. I think it was this and, and looked to see what seeds won, won the cup. And, Oh, I think it was, this held true until the Kings won the Stanley cup. As an eight, right? Yeah, a couple yeah. Of years ago, and they just they just got caught absolute fire, and were an they absolute just got in, and then anything happened, and they were an absolute buzzsaw. And uh, but before that, there was one team since 1995 that won the Stanley Cup that was not a top four seed, and it was the '95 Devils, who were a five seed in a strike shortened season. Otherwise, the higher the seed you are, the better the chance you have at winning the cup. So, I'm just going to say that. But everyone every everyone thinks that, oh, just, you know. I, I looked it up the other day. And uh, I think if you're a top three seed, it was like an 80-something percent chance of winning the cup. Or 80, not an 80 percent chance. Uh 80% of the time they won. Yes. Yeah. And I forget how long, how far back I went for it, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, whatever that, uh, uh as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to remember what this is, what this I know. thing is it's, called. I know but, the, um, for the car and bird would know off the top of their head. Yeah. Well, they just know useless information. Doesn't matter. That's the yeah. only thing they're good for. Yep. So, oh, speaking of car and bird, uh, because I, I have Mandela effect. Yes, thank you. 
don't you maybe, maybe you should be just on their podcast and I'll <laughs> maybe i but, want uh, to be yeah i want to give we haven't been doing plugs much but i want to plug uh Childerberg, which we talked about last week and and i'm reminded because i i was drinking a glass of wine in the beginning of this episode and uh I want to give a shout out to the tasting anarchy podcast they just had a an episode where they interviewed a um i think it was so uh, oregon vineyard washington or oregon they had a the owner of a vineyard and just interviewed and asking questions about about what he does um they do uh oh now i'm from i'm forgetting the uh the term that they use but it's uh they avoid using not organic it's like a, a a higher version of organic they don't use pesticides and everything um and really try to to do things naturally it was a it was a, a very very good episode uh jake did a really really good job with the interview and had a really interesting guy on and it reminded me because uh i was drinking they always talk about uh tempranillos is a style that they like so i i bought a bottle the other day and I opened it Friday night and I thought it was okay. It was different. I'm, I'm a dry red guy. And, uh, but it, it was a different taste. And I, I had it sitting and, uh, cracked it open again and had it. And it, and it tastes a lot better today for whatever reason. Maybe I'm adjusting to the taste or maybe the, it mellowed out a little bit over, over those two or three days of after I opened it. But, uh, if you haven't listened to them, go check them out. Tasting Anarchy is the name of the podcast. And I'm saying talking about them too, because uh Jake is one of the uh the guys in charge of Childerberg, which I will be attending in June. So it's gonna be a great time in Texas. It's gonna be crazy. I'm going to bring fruitcake for all of us to enjoy. And uh yeah. Good. Wanted to shout that out. Uh, so if, if you have the opportunity to go down there, it's, uh, go to childerberg.com, sign up to the newsletter. You'll find out all, all sorts of stuff about it. So free market success story. Do you have anything slappy? No, we didn't talk about this. Yeah, I actually do have one. It's, and it's actually related to work. We had a, we had a piece of, a, uh, equipment or a part that we installed that kind of immediately failed. And we're trying to figure out what went wrong, whether it was a compatibility issue or a material issue that it was, uh, wasn't quite up to snuff. And so what we're doing in order to try to figure this out, because if it's not our mistake, if it's the manufacturer's fault, then, you know, there's a lot of, there's rework that has to get done and it's going to cost a lot of money. So we would not, we would like to not have to pay out of pocket for it. So what we're doing is uh, we're sending it to a third-party lab to do testing on it. The manufacturer has, uh, on their website, they have the uh, physical properties listed. So our third-party lab can test for those physical properties. And if they find that they do not match what, what uh, what the published properties are, then we have a case to say, hey, look, you you guys messed up, and now you should... uh, pay some restitution for uh, for your mistake. And this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. And we've, we've been in situations where we didn't even have to ask for the manufacturer or the contractor to pay for the rework. They 
they caught the mistake and they took it upon themselves to say, Hey, we're, we're not going to charge you to, to fix our mistake because it, it, it puts them in a better light and uh, it shows that they uh, actually have some integrity with what they do. So I'm hoping that uh, we are correct and the manufacturer messed up so we, we can not be on the hook for, for <laughs> some of this rework. There you go. But we shall see. So uh, anything else, Slappy? No, I think we covered it. All right. So uh, again, go uh, go to mcflugel.com slash 140 for the show notes page. Check out libertymugs.com. I may throw up a uh, an article there or one of the previous episodes about uh, how libertarians try to act more like normal human beings with uh, with empathy. And uh, I think that's it. So, yeah, man. Yeah. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.